Welcome back, Crusaders. This is the Nerd Crusade Podcast, episode 54. I'm your host, Ian, and with me as always, Courtney. Hello. And this week we're going to be talking again about uh, True Detective Night Country, episode 4, which just came out. Um, we're going to also be talking about Death and Other Details, episode 4. And we've got a couple movies to talk about, uh, Beekeeper and Willy Wonka, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, Infinite Wealth that I've been playing, um, and some other game news that has uh, come out this week. Um, first, let's jump right into it with uh, True Detective. Yeah. Yeah, so this is episode <laughs> four. Um, a, a very depressing episode. Yeah, basically everybody has a shitty Christmas. Yeah, everyone has a shitty Christmas Eve and a shitty start to their Christmas. And this was more so an episode that was all about the characters. Yeah, it was very character development and driven, mm -hmm. uh, especially with Navarro. Yeah, definitely with Navarro. Um, only part of the mystery stuff that they kind of have here is a little it's bit... It's at the end. Beginning really. and the end, yeah. Like, the, the fact that they go to the one guy's house to find out that those are whale bones in the cell phone video. Yeah. And that these caves are somewhere up north. And that uh, the guy who actually uh, mapped the caves is somebody who uh, Danvers had them look up, hey, who has had similar injuries to the scientist. And one guy p came up, and it happens to be the same guy who... Uh, map the caves that are further north. Yeah. Um. So that that's real interesting, but then that all gets kind of dropped with all this character development stuff that happens, which isn't bad. This is actually very, very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Danvers kid basically gets caught putting graffiti on the mine wall. Uh, the mines. Uh, he head head offices. offices. Yeah, corporate offices, saying murderers, and uh, then ditches her stepmom on Christmas Eve to go to a friend's house. Yeah. Which, like, Danvers is such a bad parent. <laughs> so yeah, bad it just place. keeps getting reinforced that Danvers sucks at communicating with loved ones. Yeah. Like, um, the only way she can properly communicate is through work and work-related stuff. Yeah, and even then, her communication with her co-workers isn't well because, we, no. as we find out from uh, the guy from Anchorage, is basically, hey... Uh, you were a good cop. You're a better cop than he than he was. He says, but it's like, but you're shitty with people. And then after your kid died and husband died, you just got shittier. Yeah. Um. And like, hey, nobody wants to work with you, and nobody here wants to work with you. And it's very clear that yeah, she is kind of an asshole because like she makes her deputy go off and do work on Christmas Eve with uh, Navarro, where even Navarro doesn't want to go. But it's a lead, so Navarro wants to go investigate it. But it's like, it's a hunch of a lead. Like, some of that should have waited till after Christmas. Yeah, it's like, this could have easily been done after Christmas. But we have to have more tension between the deputy and his wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, his wife's pissed at him for being a cop. And then he drops off a big bombshell to her when he finally gets home saying, uh, telling her just to say that, hey... You didn't want to have a kid, and I ruined your fucking life. Yeah. And like, wow, that like kind of came out of left field. Like, boom. <laughs> and she doesn't answer that. That's, that's just a development. Like, obviously, their marriage is on the rocks, and there were some deep seated feelings happening that they weren't, they have not talked about yet. Yeah. Um, but she was very clearly like upset with the fact that he's a cop and that he has to do his cop duties with, even though Danvers. Well, and being, also not being home all the time. But again, it's like he's low man on the totem pole as a cop. He's not going to get that much. In a small town in it, northern Alaska. Yeah, and there's a big murder that just happened. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's, and I think the concept is probably fairly relatable for a lot of people whether they're wives or husbands or whatnot, is that sometimes uh, your spouse has a job that you that takes them away for something. And in certain circumstances, it's like, yeah, don't be a slave to your job. Your family should come first. In other circumstances, especially when you're a police officer. Police officer, first responder. Enforcement of any type. Yeah, like, uh, military as well. Yeah, it's you're like. You're not going to have like, oh, you're just going to have Christmas Eve off. Oh, you're just going to automatically have Christmas Day off. It does not work that way. Yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of people either they go through this situation where like they end up having to understand it and realize it and then they get over it. Or relationships and marriages completely fall apart because it's like. Why are you always at your job? It's like, I'm a fucking cop. I'm a supposed to, and we're investigating a murder. We're after, there's a manhunt going on. I can't be home for, at, for dinner at 6 p.m. Sorry. 
Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the expectation of like, if you have somebody in one of those jobs, um, it's un- I feel like it's unreasonable to have demands on them. Like, no, you- I should come first for the job. And it's like, they swore an oath to protect and serve in one way or another. Yeah. They're doing their job. Don't hold that over their head because of the career that they chose. You knew that what they were doing. Exactly. Um, even though she said, I didn't marry a cop. It's like, but he was probably on a law enforcement pass since his dad was a cop. Yeah. So you would have had an inkling. There should have been, there were warning signs before this. Like. Yeah. Or when he's like, hey, I'm going to become a cop. You talk about it. Yeah. And if he's like, well, I'm still going to pursue it and you're not up for it. Then go through the next steps of separation, divorce, you know. There's many other things. But anyway, we're getting off track. That's that's their little side beat there is that they have a troubled marriage. Um, The next and the note that Danvers is a fuck up, basically. Um, We still don't know exactly what happened in the accident. We don't know. We know it was a car accident. We don't know if she was drunk driving or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know that her husband and her kid died. Yep. Um, and she's not talked about that with her stepdaughter by any means. Her stepdaughter left left for Christmas somewhere else. To her, to the friends who was the activist, basically. Yeah. Probably encouraged her to spray paint murderers across the mines windows. Um, interesting thing there was like the kid automatically was like, "Why are you always taking their side?" It's like you were caught red-handed tagging a building. Yeah. There's no I'm, side to take. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm trying to convince them right now not to press charges against you. And the kid's like, being ungrateful about it. <laughs> like, again, it's Danvers not being able to communicate. Yeah. Um, but the bigger events that happened here is definitely with Navarro. Yes. And the fact that, all right, Danvers finds her sister out in the streets, taking off her clothes, wander, uh, having an episode. Mm-hmm. And so Danvers calls Navarro, gets gets her sister taken care of. And Navarro finally says, like, we're going to this lighthouse, like, mental institute. And you're going to stay there. Yeah. Because clearly, like, this is the second time this girl's wandered off out in the cold. Um, and she, and she's having tendencies like her mother do, like, just to, like, strip and just wander off into the wilderness. Yeah, to die, basically. Um, so she took her to the mental hospital, which granted is a voluntary place, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But when you check somebody in, I'm sure, pretty sure she told her, like, hey, these are, this is why she has to be here. These are the issues. She's suicidal. She needs to be watched because she's having episodes where she's wandering around out in the, out in the cold. Um, last episode was we found her and she's taking off her clothes. Yeah. Okay. That's enough warning signs to, like, cool, we'll keep her here. And, yeah. Supervise and, and we'll watch her. Watch her probably, right? God. But what ends up happening is... As Danvers and the deputy go chase down this lead that uh, kind of goes nowhere. Not Danvers. Danvers, Not Danvers is drunk. Navarro. Danvers sends Navarro and the deputy to chase down the lead at the Nomad mm-hmm. camp, which is the old guy who was hunting the very first episode. That guy has taken off, gone. They find that he's painted the swirl on stuff and there's a stone with the swirl in it. Um, and they're basically kind of chased off the property by the other nomads. But by the time she gets home, she gets a phone call from the Coast Guard. That found her sister's body. Found her sister. And, like, her last conversation with her sister was she was checking in with her. And she's just like, oh, yeah, the room's nice. It's warm. It's quiet. Um, but her sister had an episode in the room where she saw a ghost or something underneath the bed. Yeah. Um, and then when she's having that check-in call with her, her sister is again by the boat where she found her last time when she wandered off. This time she takes off all her clothes, folds them neatly, and then just wanders off. Just goes straight in, line into the dark. Into the ocean. Yeah, into the dark. And basically the like, the Coast Guard found found her uh, body and I called uh, Navarro. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, Navarro kind of has a f- fucking breakdown about it, which well, yeah. I totally understand. Um, her going to the place and yelling at the um, receptionist makes perfect sense because like, this girl walked out of here and you guys didn't do anything. And like, like I was like trying to check, like, is she still here? It's like, no, she's, she's dead. She's gone dead <laughs> because like, you guys did nothing. Moron. You didn't even call me to let me know that she left. So clearly like possibly the sister snuck out. Something like that could have happened. But like, again, she's a, a high suicide cause. She should have been locked in her room 
yeah. and under supervision, and especially was, since she had an episode that day. Yeah, and even if like they didn't tell her she was suicidal, just saying, hey, this is what, how we found her last. She needs to be someplace where people can watch her and take care of her. She has an episode. Like, that should be enough for them to like keep an eye on her. Maybe they're not going to lock her door, but they're going to keep an eye on making sure she's there and like, doing a bed check or room check every, uh, every three hour. months or something yeah. like that. Not... Oh, she's gone? How? When did she leave? I don't know. And then, yeah, yeah she's dead already, you idiots. But then, she, as she leaves, she ends up picking a fight with, like, the white guys that she arrested in the very first episode and gets her ass kicked. Yep. Um, and she goes to her... Uh, her friend. Her friend slash hookup. Yeah, boyfriend and whatnot. Um, who does so very clever. At first, we're like, dude, bad timing to try and propose to her. But he distracted her so he could relocate her fucking finger yeah. that she had dislocated. Um, but, like, the whole thing is that, like, she's thinking that she's alone, completely alone, because her sister's gone, and, like, everybody in this town's alone. Um, and he was comforting her, saying, no, she's not. She still has him. That yep. type of stuff. And he patches her back up. Yep. And then the next day, uh, the deputy ends up calling Danvers in the morning uh, when Navarre just happens to stop by and say, hey, let me send you the photo. And they have a picture of somebody yeah. wearing Annie's pink coat with the patch on it, which yeah. was... The well, little smiley face patch. Yeah. Which last time we saw it was on the dude in the science uh, facility. Yes. Um, he's out by the dredges. Which yep. So we... Right now we're assuming this is the guy from the... The scientist that's missing. Scientist, yeah. Um, and there's because there's a picture of him out by the out in this area, which by the, which they just call the dredge, dredges, which are old gold mining dredges. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Danvers and Navarre go out there to investigate. Why they went by themselves, I don't know because it's like you have hard that's evidence crazy. that he's there, and you had a manhunt going on with APB about yeah. the other guy. So it would make sense have like at least some backup. Yeah, not just two people going yeah. in. So they go there. Um, the, very, it, very funny that this this the dredge inter- this dredge is like a warehouse, yeah. and I'm like, I don't think dredges were ever this big on the inside. It's a TARDIS, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, like it's not that big at all. It wouldn't have all these winding corridors and rooms and like stuff like that. Like if you watch Gold Rush, like one of the gold miners there buys a dredge. He buys a dredge and rebuilds it and uses it for a few seasons. It's like, yes, it's a big boat, but. It's, it's very easy to see where how to get to one area to another. There's not like, it's oh, not there's, a there's not a warehouse, but like they're in there and they see somebody running who's wearing the coat. They're chasing him, but Navarro, Navarro gets, gets distracted, distracted by seeing a a woman's body floating. Well, it's her dead sister's body. The hair was longer. I think it was the I think it was the same ghost that they were seeing before. I think it was her dead sister's because the hair was that turquoisey blue. It was long and black. It's the same ghost her sister saw on the bed, which I think was the girl, which was Annie. Annie? Yeah. I think it's the Annie ghost that's kind of like mm-hmm. haunting them. So Navarro goes and like is investigating this this floating by that she saw by, and then she sees wet footsteps that come out of this water area that walk down a corridor, and she follows that while Danvers is chasing the guy and finally corners him. Turns out it's the German dude who had the same injuries who mapped the caves. Yeah. Um, and Dan was just trying to get out, like, where did you get the coat from? Was it the other dude? And he just says, oh, he's lost, and he's gone down hiding in the night country, and we're all in the night country now. Yeah. Roll credits. They, they said not th- roll credits because we because Danvers goes. Yeah, to- let me say like they said they said the name of the they show. They said the name. There's the title card, right? Night. They're all in the night country. Yeah. Um, Navarro follows these footsteps to uh, suddenly a Christmas tree lights up. Yeah. In there. And she falls up to the tree, and then she turns around, and boom, there's this ghost thing staring at her. Yeah. Um, well, it's screaming. Yeah, screaming. And then when Danvers finally finds her, she's sitting in front of the Christmas tree, and her ears are bleeding. Well, one ear is one, bleeding. Well, actually, yeah, it's only the one ear that's it's bleeding. It's the right ear that's bleeding. So it's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And what kind of happens, like, right before the, all this manhunt park goes down when they're at Danvers' house, like... They bring up the um, other case where the guy mm. where the guy killed his uh, underage girlfriend or whatnot, and we find like Danvers has this big thing where she doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in heaven, hell, just thinks when people are dead they're gone. Yeah. Um, and this comes from like 
the death of her kids, her husband, the death of her mother when she was a child and had a, and her dad told her to pray about it. Um, but she points out that, hey, Navarro, you saw something. Because Navarro thinks, like, now she's cursed and that she's going to be the next one to go crazy like her mother and her sister. Mm-hmm. And that's when Damage is, like, pointing out, like, hey, when we were in that case, you saw something. And Navarro- What did you see? Because it's like, if Navarro admits it, it'll be confirmation to Danvers that there is something there. Mm-hmm. And she knows that she saw something because she started looking off somewhere else. And what Navarro saw was the ghost of that dead girl pointing and screaming at her. Yeah. Um, and kind of like what she saw in the dredge, which was the ghost of like Annie, like screaming at her, like nose to nose. So clearly she's seeing shit. Yes. <laughs> um, and Danvers knows that she's seeing something or whatnot, but Navarro's, taking it as this is a sign of the madness that took her mother and her sister now. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't want to acknowledge it by any yeah. means. But her sitting in front of this Christmas tree ear bleeding and whatnot, we don't know what how she's taking that or what all that means. Because there's no conversation there. They, she just finds her and then End. <laughs> they roll the credits. So the mystery is now even like, why like is the German guy wearing the guy wearing Andy's jacket? Like... Can't he show them where the caves are? Because the caves are, like, treacherous. They need somebody who actually knows the area to... Well, he's also it. not all there, yeah. either. He's, he's, he's a drug addict, and he's fucking injured, and he knows something's going on, but, like, he's crazy. Yeah. So, very interesting mystery. Still very interesting to watch. Um, there's been some stuff from the original creator of True Detective on the internet, apparently. He tweeted something like, I don't know what these connections are, but, like... Apparently, there have been some connections to the first season. Yeah. I don't I know what they were, what callbacks they are. One of them was the uh, Rose's boyfriend was the dad to, I think it was Matthew McConaughey's father from okay. the first season. Because in the first season, I, I, I want to say it's Matthew McConaughey. I could be wrong. It could be the... Uh, other guys but anyway uh but it's his dad because he mentioned in his season that his dad lived up in alaska so that's one connection another connection i think is the spiral okay so i don't remember much at all from the first season so i don't know the connection whatsoever but the press is trying to drum it up like oh he's being very critical this season all it was all he had tweeted was any of the connections to the first season don't ask me about it i think they're stupid um, nobody talked to me about it. I'm not involved in any of it, so don't ask me any questions. Yeah. And that the press ran with that, like, oh, he's being very critical of season four, and this is what the showrunner now thinks of his opinion. And it's like, he had no opinion about this show. He just said the callbacks to his season didn't make any sense to him, and he thought they were dumb. Yeah. Um, and that, hey, nobody should be asking him about it because he wasn't consulted. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, no. it's not him saying the season's bad or they've gone some direction he didn't want mm-hmm. them to go. It's like, why are you tying this back to my season? I don't fucking know. Yeah, they didn't talk to me about how about why they're tying it back to it. Um, only thing that could make I one thing I can see how that makes things weird is the time is it changes the timeline. Yeah, it makes this happen. This possibly happening before the first season, but it's not. It's happening now. Yeah, which is so. So it's weird. So I don't know. So I don't. I think it's just a coincidence that the Rose's boyfriend's last name is the same as... Yeah, so it might be fans reading too much into stuff and starting to ask questions. Which is what fans usually do, let's be honest. But, like, I wouldn't say he's being very critical of it. That was only one thing he he tweeted out there, then he deleted it. As everybody does when they when press picks up on something, somebody says they have to be like, fuck, I'll have to delete this. But it's on the internet. It survives forever. It's there thing called the Wayback Machine. Uh-huh. But um still a very good show. Still should watch it. HBO Max every what now, Sunday. Sunday, but now he said look at no, it Friday. Sundays. It is every Sunday, yeah. six six o'clock Pacific, nine PM Eastern. New episodes come out. Um but still very good. You should check it out. Uh our next mystery uh, show that we're watching <laughs> uh that's still very good is Death and Other Details. We just watched episode four called Hidden. Uh, this comes out every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, continues uh, the manhunt for Jules, and we end up finding out more about his background and how he got hired 
and kind of like, okay, this was a setup that he like, somebody, a, mo- a gang pretended to rob the rich guy who owns the boat and that he saved him yeah. to, get the, to get the job interview. Um, also, he could smuggle people from Ukraine, which is only a, fa- a family of three who we don't know what any of their connection is to him because like, they're not his family. Yeah, this was a really weird thread that they threw in there and didn't want to explain it at all. I don't know. It's just a little off and i feel like it was just thrown in there to throw off like a scent yeah because the whole time we're wondering where's uh the chick's wife who went down in the in these secret passages and but we did find her last time uh and we still don't find her till the very end of this episode imogen found jules instead and then we get this whole thread of there's a mountain hunt for jules they think jules is the murderer uh, and hey, she, uh, he's trying to smuggle people out of Ukraine. It's going to get everybody in trouble if they if Interpol finds out he's smug he's smuggling people. Which is weird because didn't they depart from like, Monica? like Mo- Morocco or something yeah, or Monaco or, or whatnot? <clears throat> so we're like they departed from a weird spot. So these people were already out of Ukraine. It's not like they came from the Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, what's his plan with smuggling three people? Are they this boat expected to land back in London or back? Because I'm assuming it's in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of weird that... I need the ship's itinerary. Yeah, That's like, what I need like right his, now. This plan doesn't make any sense. And as you said, I think it, you, know, you think you're absolutely right where it's like, this is a plot thread thrown in there to try to make you forget that, oh yeah, the wife went down there. But the whole time we were watching, it was like, so where's the wife? Like, yeah. He doesn't know where she is. Nobody seems to know where, know where she is, but she knew where the she knew about the secret passage. She got in there, and she's doing something, and it's never fucking revealed what. And nobody's asking that question throughout the whole episode. Yeah. We find that during this manhunt, like, people are locked down where they're at. Um, the Chinese family knows about the wife's affair with the preacher. Um, somebody knows about the governor's affair with Trip, and is trying to blackmail her because they sent her email of all the photos and stuff, but we don't know who. Yep. Um... The daughter of the rich family, who's the, to be the new CEO, is having a, now having an affair with her ex-girlfriend, who's the Chinese daughter, because yes. they got locked in a room together. Um, and then, while they figure out a solution for the smuggled, smuggled family and to prove that Julian's not it, they, find the, they finally find the lawyer who was locked in the closet because... The maitre d, which I don't know why they're calling her a maitre d. She's head of staff. Yeah, she's head of staff, I and not, also like basically the head cruise director. Yeah, I wouldn't call her a maitre d. No, yet. I would say like the cruise director because that's kind of what she's <laughs> putting herself to be, like the liaison between the crew and the passengers. Yes. Yeah. So, but they're calling her maitre d. But basically, Weird. they find the lawyer in a room in his room, locked in, tied up in his closet. <laughs> They put him in a cell because he refused to talk to, to Interpol about why he was there, who put him there. Uh, they discovered that the maitre d' uh, was walking around and was uh, a man was screaming from the little stowaway girl. Yep, who goes through the vents. And, and she didn't see anything, but she, she heard, heard stuff. like a man screaming. Basically heard that the heard the maitre d being a dominatrix service to the lawyer, which we already knew that they were doing something. I knew that he was locked in a closet because the maitre d put him there. Yeah, it was very clear that like they were having a relationship through like I don't remember what scene it was, but I saw I saw them it was the, in inter- the first episode. Yeah, and I saw an interaction with the two. And I was like, okay, they're hooking up. Yeah, and oh, he's locked in a closet. She's dominatrix. She totally has that personality. It's not a fucking surprise by any means that she yeah. would be a dominatrix. But this was also trying to throw the herring, yeah. like, oh, the little girl heard the murder. And yeah. it's like, no, the actually the little girl heard the uh, BDSM that was going on a few rooms down. Yeah. But what they do with this, though, is they lock up the maitre d' or head of staff. And then they put out a, a false alarm, basically to her sister so you can hear that, hey, we found the murderer. It was the maitre d'. She's in jail. And the sister kind of goes and confesses no she didn't kill kill him. I did. Yep. And she admits being into inside the drink cart, which means she actually was there. Yeah. Because that wasn't information that they get let anybody else know. So uh, the sister actually was there. Uh, did probably possibly pull the trigger. We don't know. Um, but something's up there where now the sister is the suspect for the murder. And Interpol is going to take her away. Yeah. Uh, Interpol is chasing Jules around uh, as he makes a distraction so that Imogen and the ship owner can get the family on a little 
uh, it's, it's like a little speedboat that yeah, it's called like a wet dock in the boat where basically there's a speedboat like that's docked inside that they can go out, they can leave with. Yeah, which makes it weird. It's like okay, this boat is just sitting out in the out, I guess, in the Mediterranean, and they're close enough to take a speedboat to land. I guess which that seems weird. This is all but, kind of this episode's been the messiest. But I think they I think they did that so they like we can get this family out of here and gone from this mystery. Yeah, like, they they serve no purpose anymore. Yeah. They so, serve their little red herring. They're so gone now. We got Don't the, look. They're gone. So obviously, like, Imogen and the guy is going to come back and get back on the boat. Yeah. Uh, which, like, the fact that there was a wet dock means, like, the killer could have left already. <laughs> but, like, obviously yeah. the boat was still there. But what we find out at the very end of the episode is uh, Rufus is, is looking around the wet dock. And, boom, out comes the missing wife with her rope. In a cabinet by the wet dock for some reason. Yeah. And then she somehow knows that... Uh, Who they have for the killer. Like, there's more to the mystery. Yeah, and she know, and she knew the guy's name. Uh, his real name... Uh, Rufus's assistant's real name and not... Um, didn't call him by uh, Keith. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you know who he actually really was, and you know he was working with Rufus. What the fuck do you know? Yeah, and she's like, I know who Victor Sams is. Yeah. And it ends. So it's like, and Victor Sams okay. is the guy that's tied to killing Imogen's mother that we're trying to find a link to this family with. Um, so something's going on, and we have no idea. Like, this whole episode was a big red herring. Yeah. Um, it, it felt like a very filler episode to help get some people off the boat and kind of off the case type thing. Yeah. Because the thing is like, it doesn't make sense that Jules, who's head of security, who's obviously be questioned about like who had access to racing the data, uh, racing the footage, which clearly Imogen did it because she stole his card and he's not going to turn her in. Yeah. But like, his idea is I'm going to just disappear. And then there's going to be a manhunt for me while I'm trying to get this, Smuggled family out. Yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> yeah, and like makes us like why and like we said like, like all he had to say was like, "Hey, I was sleeping with a guest at the time when I was." Yeah, know? and somebody stole my card or something. Yeah, kind of do that. A million other things he could have done that would have kept them off the trail of the stowaways, and off and not make him look like he was the murderer. Yeah, um, but. These actions are all just so we can get a red herring so they can accuse the major D to get the sister to confess. And then the wife ends up telling us what we should have would have found out like in five minutes if they found the wife down there first. Exactly. So yeah, it seemed like a cover filler. It was very interesting to see the puzzles pieces like fall fall together, but it was still like meh. Yeah. <laughs> um so part of the weakest of all the episodes, but I still like the mystery. I still like the Art Deco style of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really love the Interpol agent. Like she is yes. hilarious. I don't know if she's going to be on here anymore because they got the murderer and she's like, oh, that's good enough for me. Goodbye. Yeah, that's enough meat and potatoes that the sister committed killing him because he was an asshole and he was a rich asshole. And it's like, you had no idea he was playing a part. You're so fucking blind, which is very in line with how this character has been portrayed throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. and how her sister looks down at her like, you don't understand shit. Just do what you're told instead of. Her jumping to conclusions, but I don't see. It's weird to see that she would go up to murder from like one in- interaction with this to, asshole. Yeah, and it's like, and you haven't interacted with any other assholes on this boat. Like he was the worst of these people, but yeah. whatever. But excited to see what happens next on Tuesday. Um, again, this is on Hulu. It's called Death and Other Details. Yes, pretty good show. Um, I would say definitely keep watching it. Um, and. Definitely check it out if you can yourself. Uh, we'll be keeping you up to date on a week-by-week play-by-play of it. Um, it only has, I think, what, 10 episodes? Yeah. 10 episodes. So we're almost halfway through. We will be on Tuesday. So yeah. we'll see where we go from there. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about some movies. Okay. Okay. So you didn't watch this one, but I did. No. And the reason why I watched it was because a lot of people on the internet were commenting about it like how is such like how they're so down for this movie it's really good it's called the beekeeper it's a new jason statham movie uh-huh the, the last jason statham movie we saw was um rage the uh guy Ritchie film where it was set in america where he was a armored car driver i didn't watch that you, wa- you watched it with me because we, we both thought it was bad 
Okay, well, because like, put like it in the back of my mind. Yeah, because like the Guy Ritchie style of like conversation with British gangsters in his films works for Great Britain, but it didn't work for the American people okay. doing it because we're like Americans don't talk this way, especially Americans from LA. Yeah. Um, but basically, what this is is Jason Statham is a beekeeper. He keeps bees, and he, so he really is a beekeeper. Yeah. And he's been keeping bees on this lady's property who is played by um, the woman who played Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show. Uh, where is she on the cast list? Uh, she's probably- oh, there she is. Felicia Rashad. Okay. So she's this um, kind of retired lady. She has her you know, retirement funds and all this stuff. Uh, she runs a charity for children and whatnot. But all we see is that, like, hey... He's been a beekeeper for a property. He's helped her her property like come back to life, and she apparently let him stay in her barn when he was down and out and like got his life back together. We don't know his past at all. But what we next see is that hey, she's on her computer and then she gets a pop up that there was a vir- something's wrong with her hard drive. She needs a call number. Basically, she's getting scammed by an internet scam company um, that. <laughs> Basically, gets her financial information. Like mm-hmm. they do the classic thing. Like if you ever watch the YouTube videos, uh, I used to watch a few when I worked from home during the uh, pandemic of like people uh, taking videos of scammers in India oh, or yeah, yeah, or yeah. Uh, ta- or scamming the scammers. And the scam that they pull is like, hey, I'm going to do this, this, this. Or we're going to give you a refund. Hey, here's your refunded uh, money that you're going to get for this. Yeah. Because uh, I'm giving you a special deal. And then, oops, I accidentally refunded you $50,000. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Can you send the money back? Yeah, send the money yeah. back to me in gift cards or something like that, right? Oh, don't go to the bank. Don't call your bank. Just do something. Yeah. That's, they use that part of the scam to set this up. But then they they flop to like, oh, we're in her computer. And she's installed the remote, the remote device that lets them uh, do stuff. Um, and then... They get her master password, mm-hmm. and then they zero out all her accounts. So okay. this woman like loses all her life savings. There's a two million dollar uh, charity account that she's in charge of, which is like it's not her money, mm-hmm. but she's in charge of the account, and they zero that out. She ends up killing herself because of this. Oh, like, like there's no like I gotta call the police. I gotta figure out someone. There's just, just like instant. I'm just going to kill myself. It's she got she. Went upstairs later that night. You put on her nice outfit, sat down in her chair, and blew her head off with a gun. Oh, because okay. that's how you find her. Like she's in a nice, elegant uni- outfit, and basically she invited Jason Statham earlier to hey, come over for dinner when you deliver some honey. I'll cook for you because you did all this work for me. Blah blah yeah. blah. So he comes over and finds her dead body, and that's when her daughter walks in, an FBI agent, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing in my mom's house? And they think he murdered her. It's like, no, she killed herself. And it turns out, <clears throat> he's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of this type of thing. It's, it's kind of like what he says. Okay. And what this is supposed to be, a, a what this movie is supposed to be is like a callback to his, his transporter days. Oh. It's supposed to be like. So this is like transporter when he's old? No, no, no. But it's, oh. but it's supposed to be that type of movie, right? Jason Statham got his big start as the transporter. Yeah. Which was like, I'm an action hero who's going to beat the shit out of people. Okay. And save the day, whatever the plot is, and I drive I drive a fucking fancy car. Those movies are successful because they were backed by BMW. Yeah. This movie might be less so because there's no brand backing it. You mean the bees aren't branded here? No, the bees are not branded. There's no branded <laughs> But it turns out, beekeeper is not just what he does. He's part of a special uh, outside-the-system special agency called beekeepers who are there to protect the hive and like readjust shit if things do happen but they're outside the system right oh, so every time they mention oh he's a bee stupid yeah every time they mention he's a beekeeper to somebody in the fbi or are high up they're like oh what the fuck okay you have all the all your resources you want but they won't tell the fbi agents what the fuck's going on but so he <laughs> so the thing what people like about this is he fucking destroys the people who are scamming Perfect. Which is like that's the so, thing. So are they in in India? No, they're, they... this is an American company. Oh, so so, so it's done really <laughs> dumb and flash, like not how it really is. Like when you see the videos of the people in India, yeah, they know they're scamming people, they know they're ripping them off, and they're all complete pieces of shit, and they're like laughing about, it, right? Yeah. But they're not wearing fucking silk shirts in like a in a 
big office with like a runway and like neon lights and then like and like it's uh glenn gary glenn, glenn ross like here's how, here's how you can get a sale give me my, my money that's not how the, those operations work yeah they're just in big office buildings in india where the where nobody can touch them until they get like months and months and months of evidence for it on the deer raid but like he goes he finds out where the place <laughs> calls his contact finds out where the place is burns it the fuck down um, and then the head of the place, like, calls, like, his, calls his boss, who's the owner, who's this kid. Okay. Who, uh, who's like, I need to do, I, this is what happened. This guy came in, he just burned the place down and, and beat the shit out of everybody. Um, and the guy's like, okay, take some guys and you fucking take care of it, figure out who he is and do it. And it's like. But I can't. What the fuck? But he does it anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> and again, gets his ass kicked and gets his fingers cut off. Okay. And then, as he runs away and he calls his boss again and saying, no, he cut off my fingers, I'm, we're fucked, Jason Statham shows up again, uh, ties him to his truck, and then sends his truck off a fucking clip, off a fucking uh, br- uh, bridge. Doesn't he need that truck for beekeeping? No, no. Like, this old beat-up Ford truck goes off this bridge with this uh, scammer guy tied to it, and he just flies off, and that's how he kills him. And that's the scene that's, like, getting shown all over the internet. So... Everybody's behind this because the villains in here are like the most piece of shit people that everybody can hate, right? Like yeah. next to Nazis, you can hit scammers who who steal from the old. Yes, but it turns out like the big concern, like the thing that they keep laying down, is that oh he's a beekeeper and oh look look at this interesting fact about bees. Sometimes a male bee can kill become a queen killer if the queen produces an uh, offspring that's not acceptable. The kid who runs this program. Uh- had- his his head sure. his head security guy is ex CIA director. So what basically what he's done he's took a CIA like software program uh-huh. to uh, that was like used to detect terrorists or whatnot and used it to like find old people with money so he could set up a scam company to steal money, which funded the campaign that his mom is who's a politician. Uh. Later on we find out that his mom's the president of the United States. <laughs> so everybody's well. so like. He doesn't tell her exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. The CIA guy's like, when he tells the CIA guy, like, hey, this is what this guy said. He said he was a beekeeper. He's like, oh, well, you're fucked. Go, go fuck off. And, like, <laughs> the guy doesn't bother to help him until the mother begs him to. Uh-huh. And so this all comes down to, hey, mom, I'm going to come by uh, your pl- the, your house in Florida for the weekend. I'll bring some friends over. We'll have a party. And she's like, yeah, fine. No drugs. Whatever. Come over. Not realizing he's luring the beekeeper there. When she finds out all this shit. They whole, totally lead to, like, oh, my God, he's going to come kill the president because she's the queen bee who fucked, who gave Virto uh, oh, uh, oh, to whose son, is, whose son is, like, really, whose son's like, defective. That's how this works. Yeah, it's not. And what happens is he shows up there, obviously. FBI is looking for him. Everybody's trying to stop him. Nobody can get to him. He kills the kid, jumps out the window, and then gets away. <laughs> cool. What this kid did do is, like, a really shitty... Like John Wick, uh-huh. that was trying to be as cool as the transporter, but just wasn't. Because you don't have that cool car. Because he tossed his old beat up pickup. Yeah, it was just it was just like a, re- a good re- had like a good revenge stuff, but it got really stupid. Especially when it's like, oh my god, she's the president. Oh, the beekeeper is going to try and do this. Like even when they send a beekeeper after him and he fucking destroys her, he's like, they they get a phone call. It's like, well, the beekeeper organization says they're going to stay neutral and not do anything about this. It's like. It's a government agency. I get it's outside the system. They can't just say we're going to play neutral when he's so, going. When you think he's going to assassinate the president? Like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. Like, but, what the fuck is this? Film? So, so like the whole thing is that the fund, the money that funded her campaign uh, came from these scams that the kid was running. Right, he funded it all. So. Which she was already she was shitty. She couldn't get she like all, actual back. They backers. were already independently wealthy, uh-huh. and that's how she kind of wanted that. She didn't take backers. She got more. She used money to do it. But the money that came from the company that he her son Still was running suspicious as fuck when was, someone says that was a scam. Mm-hmm. So like if that gets out, she's ruined. And then she's like, "Well, I'm just gonna tell the beekeeper the truth that I didn't know anything about this, and you f- completely fucked me." And then just throw the <laughs> throw the child under the bus. Yeah, she totally was throwing him under the she's bus. Like, this kid. Um, and then like I said, like Jason sees him, like like they all have him cornered in the same room with the president and her kid, and like he just shoots the kid in the head. Mm-hmm. 
and then jumps out the window, and then he gets away because he already has his his exfil already set up to leave, and then just disappears into the ocean. Yeah. And the movie just ends. Like, there, there is an after credit scene. I didn't stick around to see what it was. I'm just like, that's fucking stupid. Like, this, this was a really bad John Wick bad. action movie. This is bad. Um, like I said, the thing people like is that there was cameras and they got they got their ass handed to them. I was surprised to see Minnie Driver was in it. She was the new director of the FBI. Okay. Um, Everyone oh, no, the need- director of the CIA. That's who she was. Everyone needs a paycheck, my dude. Jeremy Irons was in it. He was the ex-CIA director who, like, knew everything that was going on. Everyone needs a paycheck. Like, he literally tells his goons, or he sends his group to go after Jason Sib, like, um, he will kill all of you. You guys are a bunch of bitches compared to him. But, but hopefully, the- if there's enough of you, you might slow him down. I- and then all those assholes agree to go do it. <laughs> and they all get fucking killed. Do you go out and do this shit? Yeah, it's really... It plans this weekend. It is like a good popcorn, like, action flick. Um, it's just not going to be as good as the Transporter series. Okay. Um... So, like if you see it on TV, watch it type. Yeah, it's it's definitely not worth buying. I rented it to watch. Oh, why'd and it, you waste our money? Um, because I wanted to see what like everybody was talking <laughs> about, and like it was like like fun action stuff in it. It was kind of funny, but like I would put this in the in the category of like Olympus has fallen. Oh, those like those movies. Yeah, where it's like it's some good action. The shit that doesn't make sense there, and it gets resolved at the end, and you're happy. The guy, the guy killed who everybody he killed you know okay. you don't feel sorry for anybody but yeah that's the beekeeper that's what everybody's talking about if you've been wondering if you've been hearing little things about this movie and you've seen it popped up it had a short theatrical run it just came out on streaming i would wait till it's like on a free on a streaming service you already pay for like maybe netflix or prime or hulu or hbo um it's warner brothers so it's probably gonna pop up on hbo i think okay maybe it's warner brothers is it I don't know. Uh, no, but, I, no. Walk is Warner Brothers. That's what's going to pop up on. But in any case, yeah. just wait for it to show up for free. Yeah, on um, whatever streaming services you have, or just go watch the Transfer. This is a much better action series with Jason Statham. Um, so the next movie we're going to talk about, which was kind of surprising for both of us, we watched it last night. Was called Wonka. That's the new one with um, uh, Timothy Chalamet. 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 Yeah. Um, the lead, the lead character from Dune, like he's been in a bunch of other movies, but like he has range, in- man. He, this guy has range. Yeah, where he was like a moody teenager in like Dune. Well, because that was the part. Yeah, like here he is a very whimsical, like naive, naive, um, ma- uh, magical um, being. being. Like basically, <laughs> he's a magician. Like they literally. Have- established he's magic he pulls a bunch of shit out of his hat like hot tea and all this shit like just out of his his top hat to establish like william walker has is magic he can do magic he apparently studied to be a magician and then spent the rest of his life studying chocolate but what i do like is even though this is right from the get-go bam it's a musical like a broadway Mm -hmm. musical whereas the first movie is a musical but it feels like it's just a movie that has a few musical numbers in it yes this is straight up a musical where there's last sequences where they're singing what's going on and whatnot. Very much so where we felt like, I want to see this as a Broadway musical. I think it would work well as a Broadway musical. Yeah, it definitely would. Um, the nice things about this, and I was really surprised, because also they're pairing this in sales with like the original Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder, which is a bold move, because they didn't really do that with the Johnny Depp one. Oh, no. Because that was Depp terrible. Was, yeah, that was terrible. And also, they were trying to be like an exact... Oh, not an exact remake, but like a remake or retelling oh, the of same. the same story. While this one is, this is Wonka before his chocolate factory. Yeah. And how he's got his start. And like the more you watch the original Wonka with Gene Wilder, you see Wonka is a very whimsical, kind of like magical, like chocolate creator, but he's very cynical and has a dark side in it. It's yes. very like clear in the, in the original movie. Here, you kind of see... Him before he got dark and cynical, yeah. and you kind of see the th- things that may have caused him to get become dark and cynical. Yeah, kind of the starting seeds, because what eventually does turn him dark and cynical is the when he had his regular factory workers and people were like selling his secrets, and that's when he like shut off from the world. Yeah, and, and I think, fired everybody. And I think the big scene here that kind of shows that like he's seeing the darkness of of society is like when he opens his his store the first time, and then. Uh, they po- yes. they poisoned his his 
chocolate and candy and people start getting different hair colors and growing hair and all this other stuff yeah, from, the- from the whimsical ingredients that he has. Um, they burn down his fucking store. The customers like literally start destroying his shit and trying and burn down the place. Yeah. And it's like, wow, these people are fucking pissed. That is a crazy reaction to have to this. Like nobody's hurt. Nobody's dying. You just have hair. People just have weird color hair. A little girl grew grew a mustache. It's not. We're growing like hair all over. Yeah. But it was, it was like nothing to result in like, Hey, Let's burn this dude's shop down. We'll fuck him. Um, but basically, uh, that's like where you start seeing the dark seeds come in. And the fact um, that and uh, his living situation that they, that they set up for him. Because basically, he comes to London, wants to sell chocolate. Was it London? Yeah, it was London. Okay. Um, wants, to sell, wants to start selling chocolate, but the three major chocolate sellers, which is Slugworth and two other companies... Um, basically kick him out he gets tricked into staying in a slumlord's house who ends up trying to enslave him uh as an indentured servant who owes them now like ten thousand sovereigns yeah um all because of a contract that he signed that uh, he could not read which is interesting because like it's a giant contract and like a little girl orphan who's in this house too says hey read the small print and so he's like oh, i'll take a look at it and it says oh everything looks in order and signs it and then we find out later on that he doesn't know how to read he spent his whole life studying chocolate and magic and not yeah. actually learning how to read. Um, but he has a big plan that he's going to sell chocolate with this orphan and they're going to make the money to pay off their debt so that she can have a better life and he can get out and like sell his chocolate because that's all he wants to do because his mother told him when, he's, uh, when he was a child that, hey, when you share your chocolate with the world... I'll be there, but his mother died, so he actually thinks that she yeah, will come, come back. Because he's whimsical and magical. Yeah. And, um, and the, but not magical enough to reverse death. Timothy Chalmay's, like performance here is done very well. Like Yes. He is very like positive, naive, and whimsical about everything in it. It's a very funny movie. The music was done really well. And there's always hints to things from the original Wonka, like... He was walking down some steps and like did the Gene Wilder thing. Yep. Um, he has this cane that he that he used. He did the t- he did the tumble roll uh, at one point. Um, but they're all very quick and they just kind of just happen and they're not like let's stop everything and let him do the thing. Right. And it just kind of naturally happens, which is a very difficult like balance to do. Even the Oompa Loompa stuff is like very much thrown in there to set things up for later on, but it's not. Hey, look, the Oompa Loompas are going to start doing stuff. Yeah, they're constantly there. It's yeah. just one Oompa Loompa. And yeah, he goes and he does the dance and the, and does uh the does the thing, but I don't the feel like thing. I don't feel like it was like stop everything. We got to see this now. Yeah. Um but it's a very nice movie of of like a classic story of him and a bunch of other people down their luck all working together to help bring his dream to life, which he finally does with this candy store. Um, all the songs are all new and original. They don't actually rehash any of the music from the first song. They only do it once, and that's at the very end, which was an homage. And they do the Oompa Loompa stuff a little bit. Yeah. But it's not, like, in your face. The, um, the But they say, they keep playing the theme of uh, the Imagination mm-hmm. song throughout it. Like, you yes. keep hearing notes of it. And then at the very end is when they do the homage to Pure uh, Imagination. Pure Imagination. And he sings the Pure Imagination yeah. song, which was done really, really well. And I like the fact that it wasn't constant, like, references to the first movie. It wasn't constant, like, hey, remember this song? Hey, remember this? We didn't have a Candyman song or anything. It was other memorable moments. Yeah. But the Pure Imagination thing was, like, always hinted at ever so lightly in the background. And the whole plot of this like movie is a kind of fun, whimsical, like, plot, which I would love to see them do on a stage. Um it was very fun to watch mm-hmm. and like him bringing the magic into his chocolate and like how he described it was made it really fun. I thought, yeah. um, I think it's key right from key and peel. He's yes. also in it. Um, He's the, uh, office head cop chief of police. Yeah. Yes. Um, he is not listed. Yeah, he is. He's right there. Keegan, Michael key, chief yeah. of police. Yeah. Keegan, Michael key. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the only part where it gets a little bit silly. A because, little bit silly. Well, yeah, because, like, 
like there's this whimsical stuff about everything, but the chief of police is being paid off by the other chocolate in chocolate in chocolate to where he just gets fatter throughout this throughout the movie. He makes commentary about it. He's like, I think I gained 150 pounds, pounds in this, two weeks. Yeah, this week. And like he can't get out. And of He's the just tongue. getting fatter and fatter as the movie goes on. Yeah, because they keep paying him to like strong arm Wonka in chocolate, so he just gets fatter throughout the whole movie. Um, some great actors in here as well, like um, uh, Livy Coleman ends mm-hmm. up playing like the landlord that entraps she's, him. She's wonderful. She was fucking amazing. Uh, Tom Davis is also in here. Uh, yep, uh, he plays uh, the other. Uh, Slumlord. Slumlord, yeah, and then he's like, like her enforcer. Yeah, they trick her into thinking he's a Bavarian prince, and he walks around in lederhosen to seduce her. It's wonderful. It's really funny how these things happen, um, and done really, really well. Uh, and like I said again, the music is is good. Fantastic, was fantastic. Yes. Like, all the sequences felt uh, organic and nice. Yep. Um. So I'm not going to tell you like the whole story from yeah. It basically ends with like, hey, he's going to end up be able to make his fact to build his factory. The idea that I need more than a shop, I need a factory. Mm-hmm. That's where the movie ends. But we just see his start from. I arrived in London, and he takes on Slugworth and the other companies to try and sell his uh, chocolates. And as we know, with the original Wonka, the least only one that's still left around is Slugworth's. Yes. Um. And where that movie goes with it, with its plot line. This was a very nice, like, here's a prequel to it. I totally would watch this and then watch Gene Wilder's Wonka. Yes. And I can totally see how the two characters, how one grows into the other one. With the little seeds of the cynical stuff that he has to learn. Mm-hmm. It's like, the contract in the original Willy Wonka, it's long and small print that he learned from the slumlords. Being cynical from, like, how people who got one negative experience fucking flipped out. How the Chocolatiers tried to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Like, I could see how he became... The women's school Willy Wonka was like, eh, fuck the kids. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's fine. Um, they could drown in chocolate. They do have, like, a few of those moments where, like, lines are said where are said to him, like, I said good day. I said good day. Uh, that's what the yes. Lupa says to him when he's like, oh, we're, we're, our business is done. I said good day. <laughs> um, but it's done very well. So I definitely recommend watching it. I can see why this did well in theaters. And then like Aquaman came out and then this surpassed Aquaman right I, after it yes. released. Because um, I think it was on number one. Aquaman came out, became number one. And then Willy Wonka became number one the second Just week. Just knocked it right out. <laughs> so people came back to rewatch this movie. Um like I said, the big surprise is that it is a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people probably came to go watch this thinking it was going to be like, originally Wonka would have a few fun musical numbers in it, but that movie feels like it's a movie with musical numbers. This is a flat-out, straight-up musical. 100% musical, and it is quite delightful. Yeah, so definitely... Uh, check it out. Check it out. Uh, it's on HBO now. Uh, uh, no, it's not on HBO. It's on, uh, I, I end up uh, buying it. You can buy it now. Uh, it should. It's Warner Brothers, so it should end up on HBO Max in a month or two. It's usually stuff goes like to streaming for like a month or a couple weeks first, and then they go to um, your streaming networks. Mm-hmm. It being a WB movie, it should be something that should show up on HBO Max. So definitely watch it there, or feel free to buy it on any of your streaming services. You can buy it on. Yeah, it's worth the buy, actually. Yeah, I would keep this in my collection with the original Willy Wonka. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I love Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka, like this is a good like. Here's a good prequel to that. Yes. Um, much how much like I like Smallville and like uh, that Lex Luthor there is a good like prequel Lex Luthor to Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. Right. So. Definitely a very good movie. Check it out. Um, surprised at Timothy Chalamet's acting ability. He, he, I told you, he has range. Yeah, I definitely want to see more stuff with him in it. More yes. like bigger movies. Well, you will when Duke comes it. out in March. Um, but he's been in a bunch of like indie stuff. He surprisingly was in Interstellar. I think he played the teenage version of the brother. Yeah. But he, that, that sequence happened so, so short. Quick. Like, I didn't even remember him being in Interstellar. No. Um, but like, yeah, his biggest movie is basically Dune. Is Dune um, and now Wonka. He was also in Lady Bird. Yeah, Lady Bird, which I don't... I saw Lady Bird. I don't remember who that was. He was in Call Me By Your Name. Um, he does a bunch of voice acting for some video games. But yeah, Dune is his big thing. He was in The French Dispatch. That's the other movie that we really saw him in. That was yeah. 
Um, okay. That was a Wes Anderson-like movie. Yeah, I remember. Okay, I remember his uh, okay, segment. His little segment in there. Um, but yeah, great actor. Really surprising to see him in this one. You see actors do like, like serious and moody really well. And then you see him do whimsical and comical really, really and well. And musical? Yeah, musical. And he sings, he dances, he does it all. Yeah, like... He's that a threat. is a really good actor. That's like a Hugh Jackman. Like, this is like a young Hugh Jackman almost. Would, of those two acting in I would a love movie to see together, where he goes from Where here. they both sing and dance. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, definitely uh, check it out, Wonka. It's on uh, streaming services now to purchase or rent. Yep. And you should definitely do I say it's a movie to add to your collection. Or if you want to wait, it should end up on HBO Max in a few weeks or so. Sounds good to me. Um, and then you had some gaming stuff. Yeah, last thing is we'll have some gaming reviews out later this week. Okay. Uh, basically, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, I've been playing that. Um, You've been enjoying that. Yeah, it's been a pretty good game. I haven't gotten to like, any of the super, super crazy shit yet because the story hasn't opened up yet. I think I'm on Chapter 5. Okay. Um... But, but it, you're in Hawaii now. Yes. It took five hours to get there. It's five hours to get to Hawaii. So it's a little less time than actually flying to Hawaii yeah. from Japan. But so it, you can think of it that way. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> like all Yakuza games, it's fucking long at the very beginning. It takes forever to get anything done. Uh-huh. Um, it does open up. Uh, which right, Here's the weird thing with the Yakuza, with the Yakuza <laughs> game. Which was really weird. weird. Thing. Okay. The gameplay stuff is what happens in between story. Uh-huh. Most of the game is story. So if yes. you just go and play main missions, you're going to sit there watching cutscenes over and over again and watch a long ass story play out. Uh-huh. In between going to point A to point B to, to get the next beat of the story, it's going to say, hey, here's this, here's this mini game you can play or you could find within the world, and this is stuff you can do. So not only with running around and fighting people, you'll find like crazy taxi minigame. There's a escape room minigame. There is a Pokemon minigame. The only problem I have with with uh, Yuka's games on this stuff is that they ex- they go to great lengths to explain the games. Yes. To where it's fucking boring. Like I fast forward through all the Pokemon stuff because I'm like <laughs> I don't care about this guy who is a doctor who is like. Collecting Sujimon, which is like the enemies you fight in regular fights, are his Sujimon. And you, as you fight them, you'll collect them in your Pokédex. Oh my! And then God. you can actually eventually go to a tournament where you can send them out to fight for you. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's the Pokémon sub game in here. That, like, that's Yakuza is known like for it. all its side content. I like it. The Crazy Taxi game is a is a bike delivery DoorDash game where you just run around and you deliver stuff in Crazy Taxi style, oh. which is a lot of fun. The fighting action game stuff of it is really fun to play as well, but there's lots and lots of stories. So, like, if you want gameplay, those moments where like it's go here, you got to go and get as much gameplay as you want it in between that. Okay. If you keep going for all all the main objectives, you're just gonna get story, 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 and like it keeps playing on and on and on. Okay. Um, because all they'll always have moments where like they'll stop. And they'll re-explain everything that's happened for some reason to all of the people in the party. Like, oh, you just joined our party. Let's get you up to date on everything that's happened to me. And you're now. like, I just watched this ten minutes it's ago. Like, okay, we don't need to explain the whole life story here, dude. And Ian's going skip button. <laughs> um, but it's still fun. It's still interactive. There's not, I have one. The mini game I have not unlocked yet is the Animal Crossing game. There's an Animal Crossing <laughs> game where like you build a resort. Oh no! And like you invite people over and, and oh, they no. do that. <laughs> That's a whole part of this game. Um, it's a lot of fun. The one big controversy about it is that New Game Plus is locked behind a DLC. Oh. Which I don't feel like Yakuza games need a New Game Plus. No. <laughs> like, even the Lost the uh, lost Judgment games, you don't need a New Game Plus out of it. You can play it again, but, like, whether you have all your abilities or not doesn't matter. It's... Because the fighting is fairly well, simple to do. You find all the cats in the Judgment games. Yeah, and this one you got to like. There's tons of like I said, the crazy taxi. Yeah, there's the always the there's the pound mates, which is you're actually collecting summons. Oh no! For people to show up. I have the crazy taxi guy shows up with his bike and beats people up and heals does you. He beat up with his bike. Yeah, he does. Like he rides his bike, he does backflips and hits people. And then, like, there's also the ch- uh, a chick who's like the first pound mate you have in the first like a dragon, which has like. Uh, who's a bodybuilder who just beats the shit out of people. Nice. What's nice about it, though, unlike Final Fantasy X, where, like, the summons just becomes the party. Yeah. They are a new person in the fight. 
So like, oh, not only do you God. have your party fighting, you now have this extra character who's there who who gets a turn to fight too. Nice. So I like that aspect of it. And what they've done a lot changes with this was with um, the movement. So like, it's still turn based, like the first like a dragon, because we're playing through. Uh, Kazuka's uh, point of view, which is he's still the hero of Dragon Quest, so he's still playing a turn-based turn-based game. Um, but they made it so that you give they give you an area to move around to reposition yourself, because the best ways to take people down is actually to knock them into each other. And as the fights start, they all will start spreading out. But if you can move yourself to where like you can hit them into another another uh, enemy, they'll do even more damage to each other. Okay. So it lets all your characters move around a bit, and then. When you get to, uh, get, um, I think it's Kira, not Kira, I can't, can't remember his name. The guy from the original Yakuza games, he's in this. Um, and when you get to play as him, he ends up eventually getting an ability where he gets to just free roam brawl or fight. Nice. So you go back to the original Yakuza gameplay uh, style where you're just fighting and you get like a 30 second window where he just runs around and he can beat the shit out of everybody on the map if he wants to. Um. Really, really cool game. Really fun to play. Um, it's available on all platforms, I believe. So definitely all platforms except Nintendo. <laughs> except Nintendo, but um, I say definitely check it out. Uh, if you're a Yakuza fan, you know what you're getting into. If you're not, like I said, be prepared for a slow burn opening. <laughs> except the main game is in Hawaii. Would you need to play the first game to know what's happening? No, because the reason why it takes five hours to get there, they catch you up on everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> Basically. I just had to throw it out now. Yeah, basically they set up where he leaves off in the first game with like, oh look, he has his new life now, and they have to destroy that to put him back in the yakuza to get to send him to Hawaii. Right. It takes five hours. You won't have to play the first game to understand what's going on. They explain it all to you. That's the thing with yakuza games. It's very slow burn in the beginning. Once you get to Hawaii, you get to do more stuff. The map is more open for you to do things, but. Remember to play gameplay in between stuff. Otherwise, you'll be like. There's not a lot of gameplay here. I just keep getting story, 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 and then these gameplay sections that tells me, you better save because you're going to be having a lot of fights next. Mm-hmm. So if you want to experience all the side gameplay stuff, you got to do that in between things. Um, and I'm sure later on in the later chapters, it opens up even more so to where you're more open to go and just play the side stuff if you want. Okay. Um, but still very fun game, very interesting. Definitely check it out. We'll have a review of it up later this week. I just need to capture some footage for it, and I'll put that up. Um, but that should be fun. Um, next game I'll also be re- reviewing after we, after eight more hours into it is Persona 3 Reloaded. That's been lots of fun. Um, we will not be playing Suicide Squad because the game looked no. like that game looked like garbage <laughs> from all the gameplay views. And yeah. as you've seen already, all the reviews are is that it's crap. The biggest set that came out recently came out today was that it has less players than Marvel's Avengers highest peak day at least on steam like marvel's avengers peaked at twenty eight thousand. this is peaked at thirteen thousand. ouch uh this is not gonna be a live service game that's gonna last for three years like plan marvel's avengers made it into a live service yeah that's the problem nobody wants a live service game and and yeah there's other news reports that like company like companies are are planning on 500 new live service games in the next few years and it's like nobody wants a live service game clearly People are saying we don't want this. Yeah. So stop putting money into these projects. But all the companies now, since they're all fucking companies with board members and all that, they want return on investment. They want a game that's just going to continuously make money like Destiny or things like Fortnite. And Fortnite is struggling. It's actually losing mm-hmm. player count. And all it's doing to say is relevant is keep adding in crossover stuff. Yep. New skins. Destiny's doing the same thing. They're doing a Mass Effect crossover this month. Yeah, that that was weird. <laughs> yeah, of all the things, like doing a Mass Effect crossover is a weird thing to it do. It makes zero sense, but whatever. Yeah. It made sense like in No Man's Sky. Yes. It makes no sense that Destiny you're gonna get uh Mass Effect three armors all yeah. of a sudden. Um so oh, regardless, yeah, that's live service games for you. Um, you see all the all, everyone else's reviews on Suicide Squad. Nobody's saying it is a great game to go play. Mm-hmm. It has some positives, but overall, it's not worth the money that they're charging. I wait for Game Pass, or when it eventually goes free to play before they shut down the servers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and since it's an online only game, once they shut down the servers, you won't even be able to play play the story campaign either. Probably, <sighs> unless they do some huge fundamental change to how it works. I doubt it. Yeah. 
Um, so that was a disappointment. Go back and play the Arkham series. That's going to be Rocksteady's meat and potatoes. They are no longer the company you thought they were. The owners have left and they've started their own company anyway. So don't expect Arkham games um, like we once had anytime soon from Rocksteady. Yeah. All right, that's our show this week. Uh, again, you can catch us on uh, Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash the uh, Nerd Crusade, on YouTube at the Nerd Crusade, and check out our webpage, www.thenerdcrusade.com. Yay. Um, we have our podcast up every Tuesday, and we'll have more reviews coming out this year. That's one of my goals this year is to make sure I get more game reviews out. Um, next big games, like I said, is Persona Reloaded. Next big game after that's probably going to be uh, Dragon Dog of Us 2 at the end of March. Okay. Um, but come check us out. Leave your comments. Like and subscribe. Uh, you can catch this podcast on Spotify or, and, or any and all podcasting services out there. We have it listed everywhere. So please like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.